Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, welcome to church this morning. Anybody glad to be in God's house today? Anybody glad? Because that's where God is. God loves his house. And uh, we're so glad that you're here. Today we, uh, we conclude this incredible series called Fruitful. I have, I've had multiple people tell me, Pastor Phil, this was my favorite series that you've done. And I, I appreciate that until we go to the next series. Then somebody, oh, that's not. And that's, that's our goal is that we go from faith to faith, glory to glory, and we teach line upon line. This title of being fruitful comes directly from our, our, our theme scripture, John chapter 15, verse 8. And we've been spending time on this about bearing much fruit. And, and why would we do that? Because God is fruitful. And if you don't know that, God is fruitful and he wants his children to be fruitful. Can I ask you a question? How many of you have kids today? Let me see you have kids. How many of you want your kids to fail? Let me see your hands. But well, I guess. How many of you want your kids to be successful? How many of you want your kids to be fruitful in life? Well, guess what? You compared to God, God really wants you to succeed. He really wants your life to be fruitful. And in John chapter 15, verse 8, it says this, By this my Father is glorified. That word means magnified. He's honored that you bear what? Come on, say it. Can we say it a little bit louder? Bear what? Bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Disciples are people who are following Jesus. Disciples are people who are active learners. Disciples are people who are coming to supernatural nights. Come on, I'm going to throw that in there. Disciples are people like, I want more. I want to follow Jesus. And he says when you're his disciples, you're fruit conscious. You want your life to bear much fruit because you know that's what your father wants. And he says when people see you as my children and you're bearing fruit, man, I'm magnified. And that's really how people are going to know about God is they're going to be able to look at your fruit, the fruit that your life is bearing. And to be honest, the Bible says that we are known and we know people by their fruit. Why? Because fruit never lies. But fruit always starts on the inside out. Fruit doesn't start outside in. That's why we've been saying in this series that fruit is always the outward expression of the inward life. When your inward life is alive and connected and abiding in Jesus and active relationship, guess what happens? Outside, there's fruit that happens. And so because God wants you to be fruitful, here's what he does. He sets you up to succeed. He gives you the seeds. Everybody say seeds. He gives you the seeds of the fruit of his character. And Paul outlines those in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. When we look at Galatians 5.22, this is actually the character of God. God loves you. And I could go through, God is a God of joy. He's full of peace. He's patient with us. He's kind to us. Has God been kind to anybody today? Right? His mercies were new this morning. Even no matter what you did, or as Sean Mendez says, whatever you did last summer, right? Guess what? Mercies are new this morning because he's kind. He's patient with us. He's faithful. He's gentle with us. And uh, can I just give you a little recap? I read this and I thought, man, this is so good. This really accurately describes the fruit of the Spirit because it starts with love. Without love, it's not possible for the fruit of the Spirit to develop in your life because in actuality, love is the motivation. But I read this. I thought this was so cool. Love is the motivation. Joy is love rejoicing. Patience is love enduring. Peace is love trusting or resting. Kindness is love serving. Goodness is love extending. Faithfulness is love proving. Gentleness is love touching. And self-control is love restraining. And that's where we're going to land today as we conclude this series, is we're going to talk about everybody's favorite subject, self-control. I knew I wouldn't hear any amens. I knew I didn't, wouldn't hear like, yes, I'm so glad I got out of bed to hear about self-control today. Woo, this is going to, 
I thought today was about joy. No, that was about four weeks ago. But we have to talk about self-control because I truly believe if we can get this one thing called self-control right, a lot of things would change in our life. A lot of things would change in our life. And for some, it would change immediately. But I understand when we say that those two words, self-control, I think that name can really throw us off. And I really do believe we don't understand what God's intention was for this. Because as soon as you hear those words self-control, I think one of the thoughts is, I ain't going to be controlled by anybody. Nobody controls me, right? I'm not, I'm not going to be controlled by anyone. But yet, what is it? Is self-control just me getting better? Is that what self-control is? When I say self-control... I think we, we think, well, that just means I need to stop doing that. I, I just need to stop doing that. But can I just be honest today? If you could have stopped doing fill in the blank, you would have stopped a long time ago. If you would have stopped, if you could have stopped controlling your tongue, you would have done it a long time ago. If you could have, if you could have stuck with that gym routine all the way through, right? I heard, I heard a, a Uh, Somebody was talking about, they were having a conversation with a guy who owns a gym. And he said, are you ready? He he said that 60% of the people that have a membership to the gym never show up. They're paying the $10 a month and they don't show up. I'm like, I'm opening up a gym. That's an incredible business, right? I mean, people pay you and they don't even show up, right? But what is it about this? It's self control. But can I just be honest? Self-control is more than Phil controlling Phil. Because here's what I've found out. Phil can't control Phil. My name's Phil, just by the way. Phil can't control Phil. Because if Phil could have controlled Phil, then I wouldn't need Jesus in my life. But I found that I can't control Phil. Phil, left to himself, is actually not self-control. Phil controlling Phil is out of control. I'll say amen to myself. But can I ask you a question? Because I hope you're not going to leave me up here all by myself. I want to ask you how many of you would say that you would have at least two areas that you need more self-control in. Let me see your hands. Right? Okay. Now, some of you that didn't raise your hands, there's either two options. You have way more than two areas. The other option is you just lied and you need self-control. So either way, I'm glad you came to church. I already feel the Holy Spirit. He's moving in honesty, the spirit of honesty. But I just think that in reality, when we look at self-control, we don't value it because that word control just jumps out at us. And we think of someone trying to take away our freedom someone trying to restrain us. And uh, today I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony. And um, I thought this was the Christian life, that God was this cosmic killjoy, really trying to take away all my freedom. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, growing up in church, I heard that preached. I heard a lot, don't do this, don't do that, don't do, don't, no, 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 stop, don't, don't do that. And you walk out of church every week going, is there anything that I can do? See, I wanted our church to be about telling people what they can do in Christ. Not just, freedom is not just about what you can't do. Freedom is about what you can do. And my problem that I had was I never got into the scriptures and realized this one thing is that Jesus died so you and I can experience true freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And we've got to look at that word freedom because the Bible even says that whom the son sets free is free indeed. Freedom is what God is all about. And yet that's what I wanted. I wanted freedom, but in my quest for freedom, I began to become controlled by things that I thought would make me free. And see, I've had people tell me, 
oh, Pastor Phil, you know, I ain't going to let anything control me. Man, that, nothing's going to control me as they open up their cigarette box. Nothing's going to control me. Light their little cig. I guess nothing's controlling you except Marlboro Man. Right? Nothing's controlling you. And you say you don't want, no, I'm free to smoke. You are free to smoke. You, you, are, you, are, you are free to do that. But can I just tell you, you saying that you don't want to be controlled by anything, you're actually controlled by that cigarette that you had to put in your mouth during our conversation. And what we think is freedom sometimes is not really freedom. True freedom is the ability to choose. It's actually slavery if you don't have a choice. That's why God put the tree in the garden because he had to give Adam and Eve a choice or else Adam and Eve would just be slaves. So he gave them a choice, what? To choose freedom. See, God wants us to choose to love him. He's not gonna force you to love him today. He wants you to come to church because you wanna come to church. He's not gonna force you to come. He wants a relationship with you because it comes out of want, not force. And can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that is true freedom. And see, and the Bible really helps us understand self-control and how important it is. You know, Proverbs 25 verse 28 says this, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Because see, in that time when the walls were broken down, that meant it left the city vulnerable, vulnerable to thieves. People could come in at any time and they could steal the treasures of that city. And so what Proverbs is telling us is this, when a person doesn't have self-control, you are actually vulnerable to anything and anyone. And I wondered, how much lack of self-control really costs us? I wonder if there's relationships that have been lost because of self-control, the lack of it. I wonder, I was thinking about this this morning, how much money has been lost due to the lack of self-control? Are you ready for this one? I wonder how many lives have been lost, not because of the devil, due to the lack of self-control. Now, I really prayed up this week because I knew I wouldn't get a lot of amens today. People say, don't you love being a pastor? Sure, you have to talk to people about their money, about their sex. That's a great job. You have to talk to people about controlling themselves. And some of them just look at you like this. How does he know me? I don't know you. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. The Bible tells us this, that when we live without self-control, it's actually a vulnerability. And I wonder how many lives have been lost to people who lived without self-control. You know, Proverbs also tells us in Proverbs 16, verse 32, it says, better to be patient than powerful. That's a whole message in itself. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control, watch this, than to conquer a city. Whoa, what, what is he saying here? You know what, in today's world, today's world, it, it preaches to us, man, be the boss. Be the boss of everything. Come on, you're a boss status. Come on, you're a boss status. And so the, make, the way you make it in today's society is you be the boss. And guess what? Here's what I found. It's better and easier, not better, let me say it this way. It's easier to boss other people around than to boss myself. I know, you're going to be quiet today. I know, I know, I, I understand, I, I get it. This is like so moving your brain. It just looks like, it's so easy to tell others how to do it and not be able to do it yourself. Please help me scream. It's easy to boss other people around and yet not be the boss of yourself. I just think that term boss is funny. I don't know if, they, if you get this. And maybe if you do, you can raise your hand. I, have you ever been just at the grocery store and somebody's like, you know, just serving you customer service and you say, yeah, I'll have two bas bags. And they're like, yeah, okay, boss. I'm like, why, why are you calling me boss? <laughs> Does anybody else get that? Or they're like, here you go, boss. Like the waiter at, at, you know, at the restaurant and hey, I'll have a water. Sure, here you go, boss. Did anybody else get that or is that just me? Do I just look like a boss? 
I guess there's nothing to complain about, but I'm like, that's kind of cool. But then I'm like, all right, why are you calling me that? You know, I mean, is that, are you holding me in honor? Or you're like, man, you're telling me what to do. So you must be a boss. No, I just want some water with, with the lemon. That doesn't make me a boss. <laughs> but I think it's so much easier. Proverbs is telling us we want to go conquer cities. And yet we haven't conquered us. Right? And here's what I have found is that the best way to protect yourself is to control yourself. Let me say that again. The best way to protect yourself is to control yourself. So let's define it. What does this mean, self-control? In the Greek, self-control means this. It can actually be translated temperance. Somebody say temperance. Self-control is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially sensual appetites. Now, what the Holy Spirit is doing and has done is when you receive Jesus, he comes inside your heart and you have the seed of self-control. God is not going to ask you to control yourself without giving you the power to do it. And let me say this this morning. You have the power within you to control and master the desires that are in you. Can I hear a good amen today? There is power. You can live Live with self-control. You can do that. But you have to realize this. Self-control, even though it's called self-control, self-control is not produced by you. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. And let me ask you this this morning. What's controlling you? I don't want to be controlled by anybody, Phil. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Is it anger? I, I can't tell you how many wives tell me, man, I just don't get it, Phil. Like we're sitting at dinner and all of a sudden my husband will go from zero to a hundred in anger. My friend, can I tell you, you're being controlled by anger. You're being, is it your need for approval and validation that controls you? Is it feelings that control you? Let me ask you this. Could it be the opinions of other people that control you? Is it, you know, some people are controlled by fear. It's too hot out there today. I'm not going out. I might melt. Can't go to church because uh, fear, fear and I've been hurt. You know, I feel I've just been hurt. So what are you going to do? Crawl in a shell like a turtle and don't talk to anybody. You know what that is? You're being controlled by fear. Is food controlling you? Oh, I can't believe you just said that. Is it Krispy Kreme? Oh, Pastor Phil, when that light's on, that's a sign from God. Lord, show me a sign. Then fresh Krispy Kremes are coming out. I'm making this a joke, but can I just tell you this? Adam and Eve fell. The fall of man happened with food. When Jesus was tempted in the desert. He was fasting and he was hungry. And the devil came to him and said, turn those stones into bread, food. In other words, supply for yourself. But food has hurt a lot of people. It's hurt their health. Come on. I'm I'm just going to, I have to talk about it today. I know you're putting down that person that smokes, but you know, you you just ate a whole bag of, of white powdered donuts. You didn't know I I was talking about me, not you. Right? And some people are addicted to nicotine, but other people are addicted to sugar. And they're both will hurt you. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. I'm not preaching against Krispy Kreme today. (laughs) I'm just just not. I actually live next to one. We, We go every once in a while, but that's another message. What's controlling you? Is it sex? Is it video games? I had to put that in there for the millennials. Video games? 
Can't go, can't do anything, I'm busy. I, what's controlling you? And see, when I was thinking about this, I wondered, I wonder how have we allowed things to master us and control us? And here's what I believe. We're seeking to find what only God can provide in something else. That's why we allow things to control us because we're looking for things in the wrong places and yet we have these needs and God says, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. You don't have to look to that to sustain you and fulfill you and complete you. Let me fulfill you. Let me be the one to love you. But we are seeking stuff in all the wrong places. And so we look in the wrong place to be comforted and consoled. And the next thing we realize we're controlled. Let me say that again. We look to be comforted. We look to be consoled in the wrong places. And the next thing we know now we're controlled by an addiction. And it really just started out with a desire that really God wanted to meet, but we didn't go that way. Pastor Phil, I need, this was me. Oh man, I need to get rid of this anxiety. Oh man, you don't understand. I need a cigarette. I need a cigarette break. When's, I need a cigarette. I smoked a pack a day at 17 and 18 years of age. And I'm going to tell you, I was free. I thought I was free to smoke, but you know what? I came to the point where I couldn't say no anymore. Nicotine controlled my life. It controlled what I spent. I could not break the addiction. And listen, I'm sitting there thinking how free I am and how good I feel. And as I'm taking these drags, oh, I feel so good. I'm becoming controlled by a substance that I think is going to give me peace. And yet God says, I want to be your peace. I want to be the one who supplies your peace. It's actually a fruit of the spirit. And I couldn't say no anymore. Now there's two things that control you. There's either two. It's your sin nature, your sin control, or the spirit control. And they're both fighting for your life. And I'm going to assume something here. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I really do believe that everybody is controlled by something. We are controlled by something. We care. Uh, come on. I've been a pastor way too long. Go, when, when's the service over? You know, you know uh, the, the, the Los Angeles Chargers are playing. I, I, I got to go. You got to go and leave a service because some men in tights are running around with a pig ball? You got to build a man cave in your house and make sure you have a 70-inch TV to watch football? And you want to tell me you're not controlled by anything? Right? You want to tell me that during the service I'm preaching this good and instead of looking at your pastor, you're looking at Pinterest and you're telling me? I had to go the other way too. You notice that switch right there? I had a lot of women say amen, so I got to switch that one. I maybe hear some amens from the guys. And nothing controls us? Really? Your hunger doesn't control you? Really? You're on the freeway and you go, oh man, I love that and it'll turn you around to go. I mean, don't tell, I think we're all controlled by something. And here's what Galatians chapter five, verse 17. Is this good this morning so far? Galatians chapter five, verse 17 says, for the flesh, that's this. You're a three-part being. You have a spirit, you have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and your flesh, which is your body. Your flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. There are in conflict. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So when I'm sin controlled, I'm making decisions on what feels natural. You know, some people are controlled by their feelings. Well, I just don't feel like it. Well, I feel like it. I don't know the offering, but I don't feel like it. Okay. So your feelings dictate everything. So sin controlled people make decisions on what feels natural to their flesh. And guess what? The Bible says that will obviously that the end result is death. Maybe not physical death. Sometimes it is, but you know what? It's death to relationships. A lot of times death to purpose. Come on somebody. And let me just tell you this, this sin nature, it comes natural to you. You were born with a sin nature. Can I ask those of you that have kids, right? One, two years old, three years old, whatever, right? And they're in their diaper and you smell something funky. Come on. They're, they're, they're funking it up and you go, did you poop? They look at you and they're like, no, no. 
Did you have a class on teaching your kids how to lie? No, it's the sin nature, right? Have you ever had your kids say, mommy and daddy, thank you for this toy. I can't wait to go over Jimmy's house to share my toy. No, you know what? Some of your kids, man, well, I don't know who came up with that, that, that slogan, taking candy from a baby. Have you ever tried to take candy from a baby? No. Did you teach them that? No, that's the sin nature that comes natural to us. Lying comes natural since we were little kids. Can I hear a, a good amen? I used to go, my mom always tells me, I used to go in my diaper when I was little, but I at least had the common sense to hide. I would be behind the curtains. Come on, somebody. Mm, mm. She's like, Phil, you going to the bathroom? No. Mm. And I lied like, who taught me that? That's the sin nature. And can I tell you, it always comes natural, always comes natural. But when you're spirit controlled, making decisions, spirit controlled is making decisions against the self nature. And this leads to life. And here's the reality. God lets you choose which one you want to control you. He lets you choose. Now, this is a big message. And I, I'm telling you, this week for me was so tough. How do you talk and teach people to be free and self-control in 35 to 40 minutes? I came up with three things that I see in the Bible. And I'm going to tell you this. I came up with three things that have helped me walk in self-control. All biblical. But how do we experience this power of self-control. Are you ready? Three things. Here's number one. We need to realize that what you consume can control you. Watch this. Ephesians chapter five, verse 18 says this, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but everybody say, be filled. Come on, say it loud. Be filled. Be filled with the spirit. Now, I, I was thinking about this. My challenge as a pastor is to go beyond Christianese, to go beyond, well, just be filled with the Spirit. Okay, my question is always, how do we do that? Walk by the Spirit. How, tell me how I need to walk by the Spirit, because I don't know. So it would be easy to say, be filled with the Spirit, point number two. That's not how I flow. So my, my question was, is how do I walk in the Spirit? Well, to walk in the Spirit, I've got to be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's two ways you can be filled with the Spirit. Number one is you ask Jesus to come inside your heart. His Spirit comes inside of you. You can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want you to know. You have the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive a small measure. You received the measure of the Holy Spirit. Now, watch this. He, Paul, is talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit and getting drunk. I thought, wow, what an interesting example. But what he is saying is this, whatever you decide to consume or take in, whether it be food, whether it be drink, whether it be gossip, there are some people that love to consume gossip, right? There are some people that love to consume media and things that they shouldn't be looking at on the computer. Watch this. Whatever I decide to consume and take in, I'm giving permission to be released in my life. You've heard it said input equals output. So watch this. Listen, how do I get filled? I get filled by what I consume. How do we consume? We consume by giving consent to something. If I'm consuming Diet Cokes four, five, six a day, I used to, six Diet Cokes a day, zero calories, Six Diet Cokes a day. Guess what I'm going to be filled with? Diet Coke and all the stuff that's in there. How did I consume it? I consented in my mind to allow it permission in my life. Can I hear a good amen? So watch this. What I give consent to will fill me and what fills me will control me. That's why I love Diet Coke. Because when I felt I was coming down, see, not all of us, 
use illegal drugs. Diet Coke is not a legal drug. And I'm not preaching against Diet Coke. I'm preaching against the excess of what I'm consuming started to control me that before I would preach, I need a Diet Coke. Before I do this, I need a Diet Coke. And what I'm saying to you is that I began to flow in the caffeine and it began to consume me all the time. Why? Because I consumed it and it filled me. How did that happen? Did Coca-Cola open my mouth? No, it happened by me opening up the bottle and consenting to consume. And what I consented to consume began to control me. And so you have to realize that what you are allowing into your life, what you are consuming has the, the power to control you. Athletes know this when they go into their game. Michael Phelps, right? Michael Phelps was the most successful Olympian of all time. 23 gold medals, actually won more medal, but 23 gold medals. Did you ever look at his diet? Did you ever look at what he consumed, Right? There are reports that he would eat anywhere from three to 8,000 calories a day. He would consume. Why? Because he knew that he needed and what he would consume would help the productivity of his life because input always equals output. See, what I feed on will fuel me. What I feed on will fuel me. Some of you are so negative because you feed on negative thoughts. It consumes you. It fills you. And you wonder why you're always negative because it's constantly what you are consuming. You're hearing all the negative, so it consumes me. So what I feed on will consume me, and what I consume can control me. See, people's feelings control them. And you know why their feelings control them? Because they're constantly feeding their Feelings, constantly, feelings, feelings, nothing more than feelings, feelings, because I'm consuming. And guess what? Because of what I consume and allow to consume me, guess what happens? I begin to be controlled. And so what Paul was saying, listen, he understood and he uses the example of wine, consuming wine and being filled with wine. So he says this, he's, this is what he was saying. A person experiences the power, I'm breaking this down. A person experiences the power of alcohol by consenting to consume it. So I got filled, why? Because I consumed and what happens? What happens to a drunk person when you consume too much alcohol? Let me say it this way, when you're filled with alcohol, your behavior changes. Your thinking changes, your speech changes changes. Alcohol has the potential to totally change your behavior. Did the alcohol do it? No, you consumed it. The alcohol will do its work. And here's what Paul was saying. He was saying, if you're going to have self-control, you need to be filled with the spirit. How am I filled with the spirit? I have to start to consume the things of the spirit. The Holy Spirit's in me. This is why I have to get in my word because when I'm consuming this word, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to be filled with the word. And so when I'm filled with the word, I am going to walk in self-control. I think that's why it's so important that we are filled with the Spirit. Now, if I am filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will change the way I talk. The Holy Spirit will change my behavior and the way I think. And because when I am controlled by alcohol, I know it. Some people, that's why they drink. They want to be controlled. They want to have different thoughts. They want to speak different. They want to act different. Well, when the Holy Spirit comes inside, of you, you will think different. Listen, you will act different and you don't wake up with a hangover the next day. But how do I fill myself? I fill myself by consuming the things of the spirit, consuming the things of the spirit. And I ask you, what are you consuming? Can I give you an example of this? As a parent, how many of you would allow your six-year-old to sit and consume a horror flick? 
one of the most horrible, and you would allow your six-year-old to sit there and consume it, guess what would happen? Guess what would fill their life? Fear. Well, how will it control them? It'll control them because they won't be able to sleep. And so what they consumed filled them and began to control them. So we need to consume more of God's word. Listen, that's why in worship, we need to sit and soak in the presence of God and consume. Oh, like today, man, I just need, oh man, I need to drink it in. You know what faith is? Faith is a receiver. Man, I just need that presence. I need to consume more because when you are consumed, you will be filled. And then guess what will control you? The presence of God, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, all of those things, if you will consume. Listen, I consume and I have a steady diet of God's forgiveness on my mind all the time. Some of us are sinning all the time because we are constantly consuming a sin consciousness instead of a righteous consciousness. And we think about how all, well, God, how he doesn't like us and how we're not right with him. And guess what? It fills us and it controls the way we act towards him. But I have a steady diet of God's forgiveness. Seeing being filled with the spirit doesn't mean that I have more of the spirit. It means the spirit has more of me. The more I feed my flesh, guess what's going to happen? Doubt increases. The more I feed my spirit, faith increases. Galatians chapter six, verse eight, for the one who sows to the flesh, always consuming things, planting things in their flesh, right? The one who sows to the flesh, the Amplified says his sinful capacity, right? The sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses will reap of the flesh. And what is the flesh will always ruin you. It says destruction, but the one who's sowing, consuming to the spirit will reap eternal life and life. When you are consuming the things of the spirit, don't be surprised if your life gets better because what you are consuming has the potential to control you. Interesting scientific fact, people who look at stuff on the computer, pornography, science verified this. The people who look at pornography, here's, are you ready for this? It's not rocket science. The people who look at pornography, the science of it is people want to act it out. Because what you consume fills you and has the ability to control you. Number two, how to walk in self-control. Keep the connection because the connection is key. Do you know self-control is really God control? It's really a life of freedom. See, the key to having self-control is keeping the connection with the Holy Spirit's power. I think when we talk about the Holy Spirit's power, right, I think we can have some misconceptions. Even now when I said being filled with the Spirit, there's this connotation, well, being filled with the Spirit. Well, I guess the Holy Spirit left me. I have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there can be this misunderstanding like I'm taking out my gas, right, and filling up my gas tank. My gas tank is empty. So the implication is, oh, you know what? I ran out of a little bit of Holy Spirit. I need a little more Holy Spirit. So I need to be filled again. But here's the problem with this thinking. Can I just tell you, the Holy Spirit never runs out of power. The Holy Spirit inside of you is always present, always powerful. So when I'm saying be filled with the Holy Spirit, here's a better illustration. The illustration is like at your house, the electrical plugs are always on and they are full of power. The power never diminishes. But when do you experience the power? My iPhone experiences the power when there is a connection. Let me say it this way. My iPhone experiences the power when my iPhone cooperates with the electricity that's already there. So here's the reality. For some of us, we don't walk in self-control, not because the Holy Spirit isn't there. We don't walk in self-control because the connection has been lost because we're consuming so many other things and we're walking more away from God and God hasn't left. The power is still there. It's all always in you. But guess what happened? Somebody is not cooperating. And can I tell you, it's not God. When I don't pray, when I don't listen to worship and when I'm not in my word, guess what? 
I'm like Jekyll and Hyde because my flesh exalts. Why? Because that's what I'm feeding. That's what I'm consuming, right? Come on, somebody. And so what happens is it's not that God has left. It's not that you are not filled. What happened is somewhere you got distracted and the connection is lost somewhere. And so guess what? I've got to connect to the power that's already inside of me. James 4, 8 says this, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. My church family, God has done everything, forgiven you of your sins. He's always with you. That's why it says you draw nigh to God because he's already waiting. But see, some of us in this room think that God has abandoned us. I don't feel him. Buddy, he's there. You just need to connect. So you think you can miss church for six weeks? And you wonder like, well, I I look at people, I've done church for 20 years. And you know what I see? I see people when they come to church, the people that are coming to church is one of the ways that we connect with God. But you know what I've watched? When people start disconnecting from church, it's usually a sign in 20 years of church that people are disconnecting from God. Listen, don't, don't misinterpret what I said. I didn't say God is disconnecting from them. I said that they are disconnecting from God. And then they sit at home and go, I don't understand what happened. I did. You walked out. You turn the connection off. Can I hear a good amen? And so when I'm in God's word, when I'm in worship, listen, when I'm in church, I'm making a decision. I'm going to connect to that power. That's why when you walk out of this room today, you're going to feel like, yeah, I got self-control. I can do it. Right on Monday, you may feel like, oh, I lost it. Did you lose it? No. But here's what happened. You made a connection that's going to be good. So what I do is I need to get up on Monday morning and I need to pray and keep that connection alive to the Holy Spirit. So when I'm sitting in traffic, traffic doesn't make me lose connection with the power that gives me the self-control. Can I hear a good amen today? And so I don't want you to lose connection. And so when we live out of contact with his power, what happens in our lives is... We, our lives simply stop working the way God intended. Why? Because we're out of contact. Isn't it interesting? You have the Holy Spirit, and yet all you need to do is connect with him. And there's such a buying for our time that anytime you open up your mouth and you just begin to talk, God is right there. I know it's easier said than done, but can I just say today, some of us are more connected to our friends than we are God. Some are more connected to our Facebook than we are God. Some of are more connected to our phones. Some of our are more connected to our money than we are God. And we wonder why we don't have any self-control. And I'm telling you, if there's one thing you could walk out of here with, keep the connection. Don't let anybody come between that connection. And so here's what I've learned. I've got to watch what I consume. I can't be listening to Drake and thinking about Jesus. I know the album just dropped, but can I just tell you what, what you consume? How, how do you guard what you consume? You guard your eye gate, you guard your ear gate, you guard them. And not only do I guard what I consume, but I make sure I'm keeping that connection with God because he's an ever ready, present help in time of need. Does this help anybody today? So here's what we do. We watch what we consume right? Can I just say this just real quick? Have you ever seen a hamburger commercial and you're sitting at home and there's literally like sweat coming off of the hamburger and you're like consuming and then you're hungry. We've done it. Hey, yeah, yeah, we're going to Wendy's. Let's go. We're going to Wendy's. That commercial that I consume just filled me a desire, I'm controlled, I'm headed to Wendy's, right? So we can't say that what we consume doesn't shape our behavior. So we watch what we consume. We stay connected. Notice all of these are decisions you make. Let me try this side. This, I don't know this side. All of these decisions are decisions you make to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And here's the last one. Help me, Jesus, with this last one, because it is so vast, but I'm going to do my best to give it to you. 
Number three, concentrate on God's grace. I watch what I consume. I make sure I'm connected to the Holy Spirit always. Because you are, he never leaves you, but, right? And here's number three, I need to concentrate. I need to watch what I consume. I need to stay connected and I need to concentrate. Focus on what? God's grace. You are becoming what you focus on. Listen, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you are constantly focusing on your mistakes, you'll never experience God's forgiveness. Let me say that again. Well, I thought God forgives. Oh, he does. But your focus is not on that. Your focus is actually because I've sinned, God can't forgive me. And so you know what? God doesn't love me. And my focus is always on my sin consciousness. And let me just tell you this. The swing vote is in your mind. This has helped me so much. Grace is God's unearned, undeserved favor that God gives to you. Can I just tell you this real quick? I'm, I'm just going to warn you. I'm going to go about three or four minutes over because this is a vast subject, but I want to tell you something. I hear this. God doesn't set me up to succeed. God's just ready to whack me. Okay, God's ready to whack you. So if God's ready to whack you, why did he give you self-control? If God is really sitting up there waiting for you to mess up, wouldn't he withhold his spirit from you? Wouldn't he withhold self-control from you so he could really whack you? Why would a God who wants to whack us give us the very thing that he asks us for? That doesn't make sense to me. And so God gave you grace. Grace in its nature is undeserving. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. And here's what he gives you, his favor. So he gives you his favor. So I have, listen to this, I have self-control by God's grace. I have self-control by God's grace, all right? So I'm gonna read these scriptures just real quick. I don't think we understand what grace does. Titus chapter two, verse 11, it says, for the grace, everybody say grace. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to people. It's not by your works. It's not by how many times you go to church. It's by his grace, undeserved, unmerited favor. Watch this. It offers salvation to people. Verse 12, here's what grace really does. Grace, it teaches us to say what? Come on, say it loud. Come on, say it. Some of you haven't said no in a while to things. Come on, say it again. No. Come on, let's use that muscle. What? No. no. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live what? Self-controlled. How do I live self-controlled? I live self-controlled by the power of God's grace. And I have to concentrate and to live self-controlled, upright, godly, lives in this present age. Can I just tell you, if I'm going to watch what I consume, here's what I'm going to consume, more of God's grace. Oh, I need more of God's grace. Now, some people say, if you teach like that, Pastor Phil, if you keep talking about grace, people are going to go because grace gives license to sin. When you say that, you don't understand what we just read in Titus chapter 2 because real grace teaches you to say no to ungodliness. Grace rises up. Now, how do you know when you are operating under the true grace of God? Watch this. Romans chapter 6 verse 14 says this. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are, under, for you are not under the law, but under what? Grace. Let me read that again. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? For you are under, you are not under law, but under grace. How do I know, Phil, when I'm walking under the true grace of God? I'm walking under the true grace of God because sin no longer controls me. I'm no longer dominated by sin. Why? Because I'm walking in the grace of God. So if I'm going to be an overcome sin, my concentration has to be on his grace, not on my sin. My consciousness has to be a forgiveness conscious, a grace conscious, because when I'm living under grace, guess what happens? I'm saying no to unrighteousness. Are you ready? Here's the big ending. Here's the crescendo, the ending of the fruitful series, right? This is the greatest showman. Here we come. Pastor Phil, then, why do people not have self-control 
And why do people go back to their own lives or their old lives? Second Peter, are you ready? He's going to tell us why people fail to walk in all of these things. Let me read this to you. Second Peter chapter one, verse five. In the view of all this, make every effort, make yourself available to connect with God. Make yourself available. Think about what you're consuming. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and with knowledge with what? Self-control. And with self-control, with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness. Verse seven, and godliness with brotherly affection. These are all the fruits of the spirits and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Here's verse eight. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be of in your knowledge of the Lord. Verse 9. Ready? Here it comes. Here it comes. Are you ready? Are you ready? But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind. Look at this next. Forgetting that they have been cleansed by their old sins. The people who do not walk in self-control or go back to their old life is because they forgot about how much grace God gave them. They actually forgot how the great forgiveness that God has put and give to them. What has changed my life and has given me self-control is not thinking about my mistakes and not thinking about my sin, but thinking about the great and glorious grace that God has given me. And now that has empowered me to live a self-control life that pleases him. Are you ready? That's why Galatians 5 says, when you look through the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, all that, he says this, it's against, against that there is no law. When I'm walking in love, I don't need a law. But this is what we do. Well, who am I supposed to love? Who am I supposed to forgive? How many times, Jesus, am I supposed to give? Come on, give me the line. I want the line. I want the law. How many times am I supposed to love? How many times am I supposed to live? Because you give me that line, I'm going to walk right near the line. Paul says when you walk in love, you don't need a law. Because when I'm walking in love, I'm not going to fornicate. When I'm walking in true God love, I'm not going to commit adultery. When I'm walking in true love, I'm going to have patience with people. When I'm walking in true love, I don't need you to tell me to be kind with me. Be kind with other people. Because against the fruits of the Spirit, there is no law. There's freedom. I'm free to love. Come on, can you sense that today? That's what freedom is. I don't need a law when I'm walking in the grace of God because the grace of God empowers me to walk how God wants me to walk. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kids of all ages, that is true freedom. And the freedom came, why? By his grace. And today I can say no because God empowered me to live the life that he wants me to live. And I will be fruitful and you will be fruitful in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.